five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello, and a very warm welcome to Five in the Eye. It's me, Michael O'Hajuru, hosting episode 0308, right here on Colourful Radio. And joining Michael via Zoom, this is Phil Woodford, and I can reveal that our top story is the debate over the final lifting of COVID restrictions. Should we go ahead this month as planned, or hold off because of the spread of the so-called Indian variant? Five in the eye. Story number two, we look at the stand the stand made by, made by top tennis player Naomi Osaka. She refused to give a press conference at the fresh the French Open the Fresh Open the French Open and was fined fifteen thousand dollars. The star then withdrew from the, the tournament, citing issues she'd faced with her mental health. Mm. For story number three, it's the allegation that senior German political figures were wiretapped by the Danish Secret Service at the behest of the US government. Friends spying on each other, where does it all end? And what's story number four this week? Well, if you've ever been, if you ever given the chance to go up in a plane at an air show, don't demand to take over the controls from the pilot. Authorities suspect that that may well have happened at the Shuttleworth show in Bedfordshire last year. Finally, if we do continue to have to socially distance from each other, there's technology that can help you to keep the appropriate distance from the person nearest to you, except that it may not always work as well as planned. Zoom gives me the distance I like, Phil. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the eye. Okay, well, we're going to kick off this with COVID. A couple of um, things I wanted to start off with, Michael. First of all, clearly we're, we're confronted with this issue about June the 21st, and we're going to hear a lot more about this date in the next week or two, because by the 14th of June, we're supposed to, whether we're going to open up the final stage of Boris Johnson's roadmap on the 21st. It looks good at one level because death, uh, deaths from COVID are at a really low ebb, thankfully, compared to where they've been through most of the pandemic. Um, we've been boosting the vaccination programme and uh, we, we're now at people in their 30s getting their first jab and, and so on. However, there is this variant uh, which the World Health Organization would like us to call Delta. So there's no stigma attached to, to its origins, although people probably know it better as the Indian variant. Now, this is supposed to be more transmissible and cases have started to rise again. And obviously mathematicians will tell you it's exponential. It's, you know, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, etc. Uh, Michael, as a mathematician, will will like my, uh, like my maths there. Um, the, the other issue I wanted to cover was um, a report on the Channel 4 News about COVID and the impact it had on very young kids. So I'm talking about kids who are kind of six years old in a, a primary school. And it was quite marked that um, in lockdown, uh, they'd not only fallen behind with their kind of reading and writing and, and, and arithmetic and so on, but they'd lost a lot of social skills. Uh, they were kind of not keen to interact with each other. They were scared about going to school. And it was quite horrible to hear them talking about their perceptions of COVID at such a young age. You know, they had this idea of this big, scary thing out there, which they couldn't properly explain. Very sad, Michael, and perhaps another argument in favour of avoiding another lockdown. So um, any any thoughts on the June 21st? And, and are we in danger also of breeding a generation of kids that have been badly affected by COVID? I'm going to sound like a broken record here. It, it's, it's the data not the dates. 
That's full of the data. And it, I know it sounds, it's that glib expression that the government are using, but it's clear something has changed. Not used to, as you, you quite likely pointed out, the, the COVID deaths are all time low. In fact, zero. And at one stage, you're up to 1,800 deaths a day. You know, it's high. So we've, we've come a long way and, and the vaccines seem to be breaking through. And I, and I just, and I've heard a lot of people say, look, We've got to do June the June the June the twenty first. The you know, the economy can't take it anymore. This lockdown, but I have to feel you know, there's a price to pay if we do. And and we 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 know the consequences of getting the timing right for these for these things, tens of thousands of deaths. So it's it, for me it's a big call, and I'd, I'd be tempted to err on the side of caution. We've come this far. We've come this far. We've, we've, we've suffered this pain. The furlough is still continuing. Yes, there are issues, but maybe there are going to be even greater issues if we don't, if we don't, if we just let it go a little bit longer, just a little bit longer to see how we, it works. Play, playing devil's advocate, I mean, I understand this argument. You could say, well, what's a few weeks if it means that we can get more people vaccinated, build more of a firewall against this new variant that's rising? And I don't kind of disagree with the logic of that. Except that I do also feel that I'm quite privileged in a lot of ways. You know, the lockdown, um, I've, I've been able to work. I've, I've, I've carried on with my, my life, a different kind of life, but I've carried on with it. You're retired, Michael, and, you know, you, you've um, been very, very busy and productive during the lockdown. There, there are people, aren't there, people who are running things like pubs, and cafes and restaurants who want to mm. abandon all the restrictions on table service, people who are running a nightclub that have never been able to open it up in all the time that the pandemic's been on. Um, and they would see this all rather differently. They might see it as the final nail in their coffin, mightn't they? That's part of the hard decision we have to, the government have to make and consider. But we know the consequences. We all look, you know, look, look, look at um, Italy. Look what's happening in in, um, in India now. The consequences of this thing spreading, you know, and so it's got to be under control. It's got to be brought under control, and it, it'd be I think it'd be daft to throw all away the the the, the benefits we've made by 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 just do because we said we're going to the twenty first. We will do it on the twenty first. Let's consider. The facts. Let's look at the the um, the, the um, spread rate, and it's quite. Back in the day, it was quite simple. You divide the number of each day by fifty, and that's the number of people who will die in in two weeks' time. You know, the maths are proven. But this, this is, yeah, but this this is where we're in uncertain territory now, isn't it? Because we we know, don't we, that. Two doses of the vaccine provides very good protection against serious illness and probably even against serious illness from this variant. And we've, so we've got quite a large number of people who've had two vac vaccine doses, including myself this week. And I, I felt pretty lousy after my second AstraZeneca, but I still recommend everyone goes and gets it. OK, the, um, the, 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 uh, the, the other thing is that there's a there's a quite a large swathe of people who've had one dose, which offers some protection, although it's not not great um the people who are least likely to have had the vaccine are the people least likely 
to ever get seriously ill. Statistically, far, far less likely to get seriously ill. So it's really difficult. I find it really difficult to understand how the consequences of the infection spreading this time could possibly be as bad as what we've seen before. Oh, okay, Phil, it's simple. As I said, the matter, and I overstated, it's not one in, in two weeks. It's one in 50 who get infected, die. And that was that was the, that was the old stats with the um, before the Delta version or the Indian version. But and equally before, I'm not I'm not up to date with the, the figures for the um, for the vaccinated version. I'm sure it'll be less. I'm sure it's going to be less because uh, I'm pretty confident it'll be less. But nevertheless, people will die as a consequence of this infection. So it, it's a question of you know back to the very start of the pandemic. How many deaths are you prepared to handle? You know, was it? Yeah, yeah. But we, we the reason we treated this differently from seasonal flu, okay? Seasonal flu, you, you have a few thousand people a year would die and we just accept it. We wouldn't lock down the country because of it. The reason we did with COVID is that it was going to cause many times that number of deaths yeah. um, and it was going to overwhelm the hospitals. If COVID is no longer going to cause many times the number of deaths as flu, and is no longer going to shut down the hospitals. Why, why, why would we? Why would we keep with the same restrictions? No, no, no this this herd, this herd this herd immunity stuff. Well, one death is unfortunate. It's just horrible. One death. So let's consider us all as a community. That's what I'm. 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 Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm, in, I'm not saying we. 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 we uh, we we do it on the twenty we don't do it on the twenty first. What I'm saying is we consider the options. We can look at the look at the data, look at the look where this how this thing is spreading. But there's consequences June twenty first or not. It's what it's doing to our children. But they've just made um was it one point four billion to try and get our, our kids up to speed in terms of their the education, get them back on track. Uh, and, and and it's not enough, you know. They apparently, was, they wanted they wanted fifteen billion, but the treasury says you couldn't have it. But I, 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 I'm I'm not so much concerned about our secondary kids because I'm sure they'll catch up. I really am. Mm-hmm. There'll be enough effort. What what saddened me was our primary school. This is this is kids wanted a quarter of their life has been in lockdown. Yeah, they know no other way. And when you hear them talk about the COVID, as you as you said in the lead in. You know, it's it really is a bogeyman. It is a beast, mm-hmm. and it's really brought them down. And yeah, the, 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 the I, I, I mean, I, 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 I think we're going to have to think about you know how we help these kids come out of this period and readjust to normal life. And that might not just be extra maths lessons and extra not, not, English lessons. It's going to be about psychological help for these social kids as skills, well. Social, social skills, skills, yeah. Those that, that they've missed out on. Interactivity and some kids, some some they said on that report, fifty percent will never recover, so they're going to be scarred by this for life. And they're talking about you know there's there's um the inability to to read, learn, the restrictions in getting a job, entering into society, and making them ready to go to prison. You know, which is quite a, 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 a damning prognosis if 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 we don't do something now. The effects of COVID could be with us for a generation, potentially. Oh, definitely, definitely. So it's, it's a case of, and it's not just teachers, maths and physics and that kind of stuff. Because these things are important. But we've got to look at our kids' hearts and, what, and their heads, their, their, their mental health. Give them, give them the resources to, to, to be the best they can, they can be. And I guess that story's not going to go away. 
It's not going to go away, that one, sadly. Five in the eye. Moving on to story number two, it's about Naomi Osaka and the French Open. And I guess it's related to mental health again here because she's withdrawn from it because she didn't want to go to these press conferences. So the, the French authorities in their, in their subtlety find her $15,000 for not taking part because you have to, at the, at the end of every match, the two, the two c- c- contestants have to take part in, a, in, in the, what, what is a show. And it's, there's won't be one winner and one loser. And when you've lost, you know, the, the last place you want to be is in front of these people. Now, Phil, I'm wearing two hats with this one. I'm going to be, you know, your devil's advocate thing. Instinctively, I said, look, you're a professional athlete. This is what you do. It's what you're paid to do. This is entertainment. And the bare pit mentality of, of the press conference after is all part of it. So if you're not up to it, dear, then I'm sorry. You know, move on. But then I'm challenged for at the same time. She's a young girl, 23 years of age, spectacularly successful. You know, she needs she needs a team around her to kind of help her and, t- and, and take her through this. Because it, it's challenging. The press today are just, I was going to say pariahs, but they are, they are challenging. But I would argue on the other hand, Naomi, if I was speaking to her, you've got your own channel. You've got social media, which she used quite successfully. She's got over a million followers. And there was 400, 400 um, likes that consoled agreed with her. So almost half of her followers, there was an equal one-to-one, but we don't know. 400,000 we're, we're, we're mostly seem to be in agreement with her. So she's, she's, she's making her case. And maybe... She just needs to be more subtle use of, of that press conference and related to her social media work. At the same time, maybe her people need to um, toughen her up. You know, what, what's your take? I, I, I don't go along with the toughening up stuff. I mean, we talked before, Michael, about, you know, how uh, sport is tied up with money. We were talking about the European Super League a few weeks ago, weren't we? I mean, tennis... Uh, is a huge money spinner and what is the french open and the 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 grand slam tournaments what are they concerned about they're concerned that they provide a complete package for their sponsors and broadcasters aren't they and that includes the idea of the players taking part in this kind of pantomime you talk about the press being pariahs i don't know about that they are piranhas though i mean they go in there and they ask some very very difficult difficult questions and pointed questions and so on and I really feel for this young woman who's admitted that she suffered from depression. I, I think the, the obvious way out of this for the tennis authorities is to say, look, um, doing this kind of work of doing the press conference, you might not like it, it is part of the job. Um, it is expected. But if you're ill, you don't have to do it. And that illness could be physical illness. It could be a bad injury. It could be mental illness. But if the, if the player says, look, I'm not up to it. We should accept that and and, and move on. I think the vast majority of the players will still do the press conferences most of the time. And um, I don't think the the sport would be hugely undermined by that. But, you know, doesn't it suggest that we don't take mental health as seriously as physical health still? No, no, I think things are changing now. Things are changing. And then, and the, uh, the mental health is becoming a, is becoming a, uh, a consideration 
I think from your the problem with that that that, that approach it implies that these people are human because this is a business. Let's let, let's be clear about that. This is a business, and these are this is the product. They are the product, mm. and their job is to get that product to display it the best they can, as you say, for the broadcasters and um, sponsors. So I, I can't see them. Um, uh, allowing that that kind of get out clause because what's an injury, a cut finger, a broken foot, you know. And in some ways, you know, tennis players thrive on that. They they turn up with bandages around their. Head. I'm exaggerating now. They turn up with bandages as a, as, as part of the reason why they didn't win. So no, I I don't think that 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 that, that um, injury thing is going to wash. What 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 has to happen is that. Um, one of two things: either Naomi needs to toughen up, and I know you, you know, think I'm being too hard here, but equally, her people need to help her, work with her, and it's called coaching. Just as you're coached to play at the, the play the ball, you've got to be coached to play the press. It's a game. It's mind games. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a game, but it's also it's also a young woman's life, and it's her it, it, it's her health. I mean, I I think yeah, the one thing you would say is people at the top of the ATP tour they're not short of money, and so what I would hope is that there is uh, you know proper support for Naomi in terms of you know psychological input and, um, and and you know whatever medical intervention she needs to to help her through her difficulties, and um, I wish her well. But I have to say, Michael, that my sympathies are a lot more with her than they are with the ATP and the and the Grand Slam tournaments. Five in the eye. Story number three this week is, uh, I think, a really interesting one because it's about duplicity amongst friends. This is the Danes snitching. I use that word unreservedly on Germany. To the Americans, that is the the, the the Danish Secret Service reporting the conversations that uh, Angela Merkel is having with with uh, with leaders in uh, with, sorry, with the Danish leaders and, and other leaders. And I thought when I first saw that, I thought this is outrageous. But then when you think about it, it's all about you know it's a game. It this this. Spying, espionage at this level is a game. And what was particularly interesting about this particular game, it's not clear from what I've read so far whether the Danish Secret Service were doing this on their own bat outside the governments. You know, such because they're so pally pally mates with the um with the uh, the NSA, the 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 the, the uh, Americans that, that that they were doing it. This is mates to mates. You know, and I, and I, it's difficult to, it's, it, it is difficult to know what the power dynamics are here. You know, the Americans obviously very powerful. You can imagine that a number of smaller secret service agencies might rely on the support and cooperation of the Americans. You'd also think, though, that Denmark wants to have a good relationship with Germany. And uh, this kind of thing is very undermining to that. And it might be that some Danish politicians would be quite uh, surprised and horrified to discover what's been going on, because they would be keener to keep friends with Angela Merkel and her successor than they might be with the Americans. I mean, uh, so it's a pretty murky kind of business. But, but you know, what, what, what they were saying, I read that um, 
that the 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 internet links from America to Europe, several of them come in through Denmark. Mm-hmm. So they're terminating them, and that's a distribution hub. So they they got they got their uh, stethoscope there to to the wire at at, um, at source. So that is a point if you want to listen to Europe. You want to, you know, sitting on the, the things that happen across the, uh, the the Denmark node, so you're getting across Europe. So it's natural the Americans would want to know what's going on there. So maybe they they've corrupted money. Oh God, I was going to say money has changed hands. Now that is, I don't know that. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But you say the, the the Americans would want to listen or want to be on the ground there. Want Sony on the ground to kind of. Gently listening, so it makes yeah. Well, I mean, but you know, then we come back leaving out leaving the Danes out of the equation. You know, the Americans ostensibly should have a productive relationship with the Germans. We had American troops in uh, in, stationed in Germany since the Second World War, and um, you know, they've been allies throughout their allies throughout the 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 cold cold war with West Germany. Um, so it seems very odd, doesn't it, that they would. Be listening in. The other thing that the other thing that's, that I always strikes about these kinds of situations is what about the Germans? I mean, are their secret service not capable of encrypting communications sufficiently well for their leaders that they can avoid the Danes doing their wiretapping? I mean, surely a basic job of the the, the security services in Germany would be to protect. And put a ring around those communications somehow or other. I, don't, it, it, I guess it's easy to say that they actually the ability to deliver it, you know, one hundred percent of the time across all services because there's many many different ways of communicating now. I, I, I would like to believe that, but Phil, you know, I, I would not be surprised if there were some channels which were easier to access for for because you remember Denmark and Germany are friends. So would they would they have uh, would they have secrets? Well, I'm, I'm sure they do, um, and we would want to protect them from them. Um, but they would they wouldn't expect their friends to go probing into them. I mean, I, I think we've got a classic situation here where the economic interests of America and Germany might not be always aligned, and they want to know what's going on politically and economically. The security interests are pretty much aligned, though, aren't they? Um, I think they, they, they should, they should Ooh, be, they should be in theory. That's quite an indictment, that's quite, you were going to say, their the, the military or political alignment is important, but their economic one is not their, their competitors. So well, you're putting I, I, Germany I, 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 as the same box as China for America. No, well, you know, you wonder that, what, what are the what are the Americans' motivations? Unless, of course, they're also worried about issues like the Germans being uh, potentially too soft on the Russians, and because of their energy links to Russia, and so I, I really don't know. But you know, or maybe there's just a culture of saying we spy on everyone. We need that, to know everything that's going that, on that, everywhere. That I can believe that. I can believe that. But then, what America does? It corrupts everybody on the way. You know, like these Danish people. And I often, you know, this this is me being. Um, I don't think cynical is that the right word, but these civil, these um, secret service people, you know, they all know each other, and they, they, I'm sure they're sharing stuff as appropriate. Um, you, could, you could say on a need to know basis, but I'm sure a lot more goes on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into my um, conspiracy theory. This is the deep state in action here. <laughs> well, if the Danes need to find out what's going on in Five in the Eye, they can tune in on DAB. In London and the Southeast, 
Well, we'll move on now to story number four. Five in the eye. And the fourth story this week is about a near miss at an air show in Shuttleworth in Bedfordshire. And so, you know, we have in the past seen some uh, really quite serious accidents connected with air shows. Um, They're obviously a natural place where there needs to be quite a lot of safeguards with uh, maybe a number of planes in the air at any one time. Have you ever been to an air show, Michael? Do you go to air shows oh, at all? Oh, God, a long, long time ago. Farnborough Air Show. Is it still on? That used to be the yeah. big thing when I was, when I was working Rachel in with the defense. I, I, I've seen the one at, I've, I've seen the one at East, East, Eastbourne and seen a, uh, a Eurofighter Typhoon. Now, they are scary planes, really scary planes. But... Um, yeah, at Shuttleworth, there was this um, there was this near miss, and the investigation report is suggesting that one possible cause might be that an over eager passenger was badgering the pilot to let them take control of the plane. Now, might be, you know, basic basic rules here, folks. You know, if 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 you're given that chance to go up uh, in a plane for a joyride, it's not your job to pilot it. Okay, and probably best, you know, like in buses, they've got those signs saying, do not distract the driver while the bus is in motion. I think the same would go for same would go for high altitude, wouldn't it, Michael? I got the impression this guy was sitting next to him, putting his feet and hands on the controls. No, I like a bit, you know, I like a bit of... Give us a go. Come on, come on, let me, let me have a go. A bit of audience participation. That's like, oh, I'm enjoying this. Thank you very much. But hang on a sec. This is my plane, mate. This is my thunder pilot here, so please calm down. So, I, 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 respect to the pilot for um, not giving them a good smack. <laughs> well, and also, of course, this this whatever went on in that uh, in that cockpit, we 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 know that uh, thankfully a disaster was averted on on this occasion. Um, and um, but it was you know it's it's good I suppose in the world of um, aviation that near misses are always investigated aren't they like if you had a near if you had a near miss with a car no one would <laughs> yeah. no one would ever look at it again would they but oh, if it was between a, a plane and a car they'd have a look at it but between <laughs> two cars i tell you have you ever, you ever flown on a twin prop a small plane flight, yeah 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 where you and the pilot the pilot is very close to you <laughs> yes yes and um but whenever whenever i've done it and i don't like doing it i'm just praying that the pilot is okay yeah. I'm praying for the pilots. Yeah. Well, you mean you're not waiting for that call that says anyone here able to step up and take over? No, 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 no. I'm praying that the pilot does his job. Does his job. That, that you know, just take off and land. Thank you very much. That's what I want. So now, you know, I will not, you know, any pilots listening out there, I will not be interfering with you. I will leave you to do your job. Five in the eye. Our final story this week. It's back to COVID. And it's the BBC trying to implement a, a, a COVID strategy based on separation. What you've got, you've got the little tags that you put on and they beep if you get too close to somebody. But apparently these things have started smoking, not smoking cigarettes, but <laughs> smoking. And also they're very noisy. <laughs> they just—I'm just shocked at the BBC because they, they need to do this. Are they noisy, Michael? Because 
people are just getting are they noisy because people are just getting too intimate with each other well, and that they, they 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 suddenly find themselves one meter 99 away from someone else or is there some fundamental fault with this can you imagine when you go into a meeting you know you've got a few minutes a few minutes all this noise all this all this buzzing as people trying to get the, the regulate the, the distance between each other to have a stable meeting you know this seems just a daft solution here. The BBC, they're creative, one of our most creative agencies in the country. This is their idea for separation. For me, it's quite simple. You tell the staff, keep your distance. Mm. Do you think if the, if, if the buzzing goes on for 10 or 15 minutes, do you then have to report it as a COVID contact? <laughs> I thought it was abuse. It's abuse. He attacked me. He was, he was in my zone. Mm. You know, the next he could have... You could have these things going up to some kind of screen in the in the boss's office, and then they could didn't have we, didn't we from, in the early days keep your the, distance, keep your distance. Not <laughs> in the early days of the pandemic, I seem to remember we covered a story where where, where people were wearing these kind of big rings oh, around yeah. them, like hoops around them, <laughs> yeah. in in order to create yeah. the, the the one meter. Yeah. Distance. If you go by a low cost but effective way, no buzzing there. Well, now you get through. How did they get through doors? Yeah, that would have been a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, stuck in lifts and things like that. It wouldn't have worked, no, would it? No, it, was, it there wasn't rings. It was things on their head. It was helicopters. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember, it was like a helicopter thing on your head. You put this put this cap on, and, and you had these these two meter prongs, or of stems or fens. So no, I'm sorry. The most convenient way is just keep your distance. Can I just tell you a story just before we go? I was in Tesco the other day queuing. And I found it really intimidating. I had my mask on. And the lad in front of me, he was being he's being respectful to me because it's all marked out for you on the ground. It's mm. easy to do. Yeah, you sit, you know, your blue spot, stand here. The woman behind me, she was masked up, but she she didn't respect the blue spot. No, she, she was trying my, to pile onto the conveyor belt. She was in my zone. Mm-hmm. So I was I was inching away from her as I inched away. She inched forward. Oh no! And because the lad up, lad in front, he was going nowhere because he was standing his ground from the people in front. Mm. This woman was keep, keeping up on me, and as I eventually, you it, could have become a sandwich, Michael. So what happened was I actually did triangle. I triangulated my two meters. Oh, <laughs> so okay. rather than you know a line, a line, I went I went out out of the queue. So there was kind this of, is the advantage of having a maths education, isn't it? I, I triangulated myself with the two in the queue. No. So I just keep it, but she just kept on coming. I thought, hello, madam, I'm going to be near me. Well, if we open up on the 21st of June, Michael, there might those blue spots might be going, and then what are you oh, going to do? No, no, I'm sorry, those blue spots. <laughs> no, it's going to be for me. It's a, it, at least at least a year before I'm I'm, I'm getting in. I'm queuing properly. I will always, if I can't queue, I'll triangulate. Live in the eye. Well, that's it for another week. Michael and I are very close, as you know. Hold on, we got too close again. We hope you enjoyed today's Five in the Eye. You can visit our Five, five, five in Book Five page. I'm sorry, <laughs> let me start there. You can visit our, our Facebook page to, to, to find all the stories we're considering in advance of next week's show. And if you want to voice an opinion in the comments, please do. Next week, Michael's having a well-deserved break, so I'm going to be joined by an old friend of the show, Olu Alake. I do hope you'll join us then. For now, this is Phil Woodford in London, wishing you well for the week ahead. And this is me looking, for my, looking forward to my time off next week. 
saying, as always, if you have been, thanks for listening. That's episode 0308, Done and Dusted. Over and out. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?